16. We're going to go ahead and read verses 6 through 10, then come back and talk about what this means. It says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Asia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Asia, they came down to Troas, and the vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, I can relate to this passage. You have Paul, and he's got an honest desire here to go out and tell people about Christ. What a great thing. So what's he want to do? Verse 6, he wants to go to this first area, the region of Galatia. Holy Spirit says no. So they decide, verse 7, go to Bithynia. But the Holy Spirit says no. So it's almost like Paul throws his hands up in the air and says, fine, what do you want me to do? And that's when the vision appears of the man from Macedonia. Have you not ever been in that position? That position of, Lord, what are you calling me to do? You're praying about this, that door seems shut. So you pray about this, that door seems shut. And you reach this point of just almost spiritual frustration where you say, fine, you're closing all these doors. What do you want me to do? And you're completely, utterly spiritually frustrated. That's what we're talking about this morning, is knowing God's will. Now, we have to set a few points here before we get much further. First point is this. God is not trying to hide his will from you. I don't know where we get this idea. Almost this idea of God wants to play hide-and-go-seek with us. No, he is not hiding his will from you. We know this. If you've been with us in our study in Genesis on Wednesday nights, God said to Abraham, Shall I hide my will from my servant Abraham? God had a plan, and he said, I want to include Abraham in this. He's not trying to hide a plan for you. Sometimes it seems that way. But he's not. What he's asking you to do is, are you willing to put the effort into this to see what he's calling you to do? Proverbs 20 talks about this. Proverbs 20 is a great passage where it says, to know the wisdom and the counsel of the Lord, it's like getting water out of a deep well. Boy, that takes effort. This idea of putting the bucket in, letting it go down, pulling it out, that idea of effort of trying to know what God's will is for your life. It takes effort. It does. We always want this simple little solution and answer, and that's not the way it works. We just want to know real quickly, Lord, what do you want? And we almost have this idea of wouldn't it be great to wake up every morning, and as you wake up in the morning, there's just this piece of paper that has magically appeared beside your bed, and it's a handwritten list that says, hey, these are the things that God wants you to do today. That sounds so simple. You know what the problem is? You would have a relationship with the piece of paper and not your Savior. Because the only thing you would care about is what's the piece of paper say? See, in the Old Testament, they had this bag, and they'd have a white stone in it and a black stone in it. And when they wanted to know the will of God, they could just stick their hand in the bag, and they would say something like, hey, are we supposed to go out and fight the Philistines? Stick your hand in the bag, pull out the stone. Oh, the stone said yes. You don't have a relationship with God. You have a relationship with a bag and a stone. That's not the way it is. The Lord desires a relationship with you. So to have a relationship with him means you've got to be willing to put the effort into it. Drawing the water out of the well, that work. To be quite honest, most of us aren't willing to do that. We want our microwaved McDonald's answers quick, fast, and easy. Lord, what do you want me to do? Amen, I do it. He wants to build the relationship with you. And that's what you see here going on with Paul in Acts 16 is this relationship. The Spirit says no, the Spirit says yes. And you stop and you see this big picture of what's going on. So, how do we get this? I wrote down a few ways on how the Lord speaks to you. First way the Lord speaks to you is through His Word. This is the most straightforward one. Through His Word. As you need to be in the Word, and as you read the Word, He answers. That's the beauty of God's Word. There's been times where I've been doing devotions, and I've been praying over something, and I read a passage, and that's exactly what I needed to hear. 
You mark that verse, you underline that verse, and you seek for it. I firmly believe if you're looking for answers and you're willing to spend time in the Word, the Lord will speak through that. I firmly believe that. Now, if you're just kind of doing this little half-hearted, hey, I'll read a couple of verses, it doesn't work that way. You know, in our Psalm 119 study, we've been talking about these words, meditate and contemplate and chewing on God's Word. Am I willing to spend that time in the Word for Him to answer? Next one, the body of Christ. This has happened to me many times. I'm praying about something, and unbeknownst to you, I'm praying about it. You and I have a conversation, and you say something that is exactly what I need to hear. And I hear that, and I stop, and I say, that's answered prayer. That's exactly what I need to hear. Or sometimes I'm struggling with something, and one of you come up to me, and you are asking me a question, and I start giving you an answer through the word or through something, and then I start hearing myself say, that's what I needed to hear as I'm helping you. God works through the body. God works through prayer. Prayer is seeking Him. See, I think sometimes we misunderstand this concept of prayer. Prayer is stopping and talking to God, but most importantly, prayer is stopping, talking, and then listening to what He has to say. Our washer broke recently. We had a question about trying to get it fixed. So you call Sears, you wait all this long time, you finally get a hold of somebody. You find it. So you ask the question of, hey, this is what's wrong with the washer. What should I do? So can you imagine after spending all that time on hold, asking the question, what should I do? I immediately hang up the phone before they answer. How silly would that be? But that's what we do in prayer. Lord, I don't know what to do. Will you show me, reveal to me what job you want me to have? Thanks, amen. I walk away. Well, why don't you just sit there and listen for a little bit? Why don't you sit and listen to the Lord as maybe He reveals what He wants you to do? He has so many different ways through prayer to reveal it. I hate to use this word feeling, but sometimes you're sitting there, you just have this feeling, okay, Lord, that's what you're calling me to do. Or he could go more obvious too, which you see here in Acts 16, the vision. The Lord uses visions. Peter had vision. Paul had vision. John did. Uh, Daniel, Ezekiel. Visions. If He wants to go that route, let Him go that route. Here's one thing about visions, though. Visions have to line up with the Word of God. If you're taking notes, there's a great passage in Jeremiah 23. It's Jeremiah 23, verses 25 through 29. God says His Word trumps any vision. So if somebody comes to me and they said they had a vision and the Lord told them and it doesn't line up with God's Word, they are wrong. Because the vision is not going to trump God's word. I remember years ago, and I'm not making the story up in any way whatsoever. I had a guy came out here and told me that Jesus appeared to him in a vision and told him how to rob a bank. I am not kidding. Jesus appeared to him and told him how to rob a bank. I said, no, he didn't. He said, yes, he did. I said, no, he didn't. He said, yes, he did. I felt like I was two. No, he didn't. Yes, he didn't do that. That does not line up with Scripture or the nature of Jesus. He is not showing up to people in the middle of the night and telling them how to rob a bank. That is not. And how can we say that confidently? Because it doesn't line up with God's Word. So when somebody comes to me and says, Well, I prayed about it and the Lord led me to do this. Does it line up with God's Word? No. Well, then He didn't lead you to do it. He's not going to contradict His Word. So He speaks through the Word being in the Bible. He speaks through the body of Christ itself. He speaks through prayer. This is one we don't use a lot. He speaks through worship. There's a lot of times out here when they're doing worship, you hear the words of those songs and you just stop and you say, that's, that's what I needed to hear. problem with worship is this. I think we get worship wrong. I think we come into church with this idea of worship, this idea of entertain me. That's not the purpose of worship. The purpose of worship is to stop and say, I want to take this time and I want to forget about everything else, everything else in this world. 
and just focus on Jesus Christ for a while. A lot of times if I'm worshiping, I'll be sitting in the back and I look like I have the worst headache in the world. My head is down, my hands are on my head. I am so easily distracted. So easily distracted. If, if I'm not doing that, I'm going to be looking at this, looking at that. I just need to stop and worship. And worship is so powerful. There's power in that music. A lot of times if I'm going to do a counseling appointment or doing something, I like to have this time of worship in my car before I get there just to prepare my heart for what the Lord has to say. Music is powerful, and it, and it touches us. You know, we let the boys at night uh, listen to music as they go to bed. Sometimes they listen to a uh, worship CD or another CD or like, you know, WBCL or, or Calls or something like that. And, and they call it God music. They can't, Dad, can we listen to God music at night? And I said, yeah. So a couple weeks ago, uh, put him to bed. It's about 10, 10, 30. Kenan comes running out of his room into the kitchen. He goes, Dad, you've got to come hear this song. Because it's the greatest God song you've ever heard. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll be in there in a little bit. No big deal. He comes back. He goes, no, you've got to come hear this God song. It's the greatest God song you've ever heard. So I go into his room to hear this God song. And I'm listening to this going, this, this is not a God song. Someone had changed his station by accident. <laughs> And he was listening to Led Zeppelin, Whole Lot of Love. And I'm like, it's not a God song, buddy. It's, it's Zeppelin. And so what happens is he'll be in my car and he'll say, Dad, can you turn on the God music? I say, yeah. He goes, I want to hear that song. WBCL is not playing much Zeppelin. They just don't do that. But music is powerful. You hear that. It touches you. So the Lord is not trying to hide his will from you. He's not. To be honest, it is going to take effort to get it out. It is. And he uses the word. He uses worship. He uses the body of Christ. He uses prayer. Those are the elements. To be honest, if you're not incorporating those elements into your life, how do you expect God to answer? I mean, if you're not in the word, you already just took out one element of him answering. So you're really not into the worship thing, and you don't really pray a whole lot. And you know what? The body of Christ kind of annoys you, so you don't. How is the Lord supposed to answer you? These are the elements he uses to speak to you. And when we limit these elements, we're really limiting how the Lord speaks to us. And really what happens then is we sit here and we walk in confusion because we don't know God's will. He's not trying to hide it. He wants to show it to us. So let's say you are doing these things. I'm in the word. I'm in worship. I'm in the body. I'm in prayer. I I, I still don't know. I I feel confused, and I always feel like anytime someone comes to me and says, I'm confused, first first, uh, verse I always quote to them is out of Corinthians, God is not a God of confusion. He's not a God of confusion. So, why else would we not go God's will? First one, if you're taking notes, Isaiah 59, 1 through 2. Isaiah 59, 1 through 2. The Bible says, it's not that the Lord's arm is short or his ears cannot hear. He says, but your sin has separated me from you. See, When we allow sin into our lives, unconfessed sin, we really don't have a strong communication link with the Lord. We really don't. And you know what? I mean, imagine this analogy. This analogy of uh, Elias, my oldest, goes and let's say he cold cocks my second son. So Judah's laying on the floor, broken nose, bleeding nose. Seconds later, Elias comes up to me and says, Dad, can I have ice cream? What am I going to say to that? I'm going to say no. We have a bleeding, hurt child on the floor. We need to take care of this issue first before we even think about anything else. We come to the Lord and say, Lord, give me wisdom, guide me. And God says, I would love to give you wisdom and guide you. But you know what? We have these other issues that we need to talk about first. And once we talk about these, we can talk about the other ones. This even goes one step further. Husbands, 
First Peter 3 verse 7 makes it very clear that if we as the men and the leaders of the house are not taking care of our wives appropriately, our prayer life, the Bible says, is completely hindered. Because God looks at our relationship with our wife with such high esteem that when we lower that, God says it's really hard for him and us to talk about anything else because the relationship with our wife is that important. So sin, sin can keep you from knowing God's will. The second one, James 4.3 says this, that you ask with the wrong motives. The wrong motives keep you from knowing from God's will because you're so focused on what you want, you're not focusing on what God wants. In, in the 15 years I've been out here, I... You would not believe how many people have called me up and asked me to pray that they could win the lottery. Just fascinates me. I always tell them, as long as you tithe on that winnings, you know we're cool with that. I'm kidding. Wrong motives. They always tell me, oh, I'm going to use all that money for good. And, I, and maybe they would, I don't know. But it's amazing if we have the wrong motives, we won't know God's will. We're so focused on us, we're not thinking of the Lord. I want that house so bad. It's the house I've always wanted. That's the house I've always liked. So, Lord, give, give wisdom. You're not really asking for wisdom. You're so focused on that, wanting that house, you're not even thinking about the Lord. This job, this job is the perfect job for me, Lord. It's better pay, better benefits, better whatever. This is perfect, Lord. Give this to me. Bless this to me. I pray for your will. You're really not praying for his will. You're really just saying, this is what I want. My motives are so strong. I'm not stopping and really saying, Lord, is this what you want? Next one, lack of faith. Lack of faith hinders you from knowing God's will. James 1 makes it clear that if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God and he'll give to you, the Bible says. But he says, let this man ask in faith. Because if you don't ask in faith, the Bible says that you're this man along the waves and you're up and you're down. You're up and you're down. You're not really trusting the Lord. You're double-minded. So one Sunday you're on fire for Christ and I want to serve. Where can I be? Next Sunday you show up and you're the spiritual Eeyore. Everything's wrong. You're depressed. You're discouraged. And then you're here for three, four months, and then you're gone for three, four months. And there's this up and down, up and down. The Bible says, where's your faith? This solid foundation that gets you through life. If you don't have that trust the Lord that he will help you, lead you, and guide you, the Bible says you won't have guidance. Back to the analogy or back to that conversation about the washer. You know, if I stop and ask them to help me, I don't think they have the answer. Why am I even asking them? See, and that's the thing here, is the Lord says, do you trust me enough that I will lead you? So those areas will keep you from knowing God's will. Sin, wrong motives, lack of faith. I think a lot of times we pray and we do a token little Lord lead me, but we really don't stop and say, Lord, I really trust that you know what's best for my life, and I'm willing to let go of whatever thoughts, opinions I have on this matter, and truly just think of you. Are we willing to do that? So we've talked about... The things that keep us from knowing God's will. What about the things that will help reveal God's will to us? Well, the first verse you need to know is Matthew 6, where it says, Seek first the kingdom of God. If you don't put God first, how are you ever going to know what he wants? A lot of times as Christians, we put our own thoughts and opinions first. I have to reach a point where I stop and say, Lord, it's you and you alone. Nothing else matters. Let's look at some verses here to help us with this. Can you go to Romans, please? Romans 12. Let's leave Acts. Go to Romans 12. Romans 12 sets us out here on how to know what God's will is. Look at Romans 12. Start here in verse 1. 
says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. First step in knowing God's will is you have to present your body to the Lord and basically say, it's not me, it's you. It's not my life. See, we think it's my life. We think we're entitled to certain things. I've heard people say throughout the years things along this type of line of, well, I've spent so many years serving others, it's time for me to focus on me. You will never find one verse in the Bible that says focus on you. Because the whole point of our ministry is to focus on other people. See people get saved from Jesus Christ and disciple those that are saved to go deeper in their walk in relationship with Christ. So the first step I need to do here to know God's will is to give up my body. It's not me. I, I will sacrifice my time, energy, and desires to say, Lord, what is it you want me to do? Verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Next step is not be conformed to the world. How are we supposed to walk in the will of God if we're walking in the will of the world? See, this is too often we see Christians that talk like the world, act like the world, live like the world, dress like the world, and then they wonder why the Lord's not leading them. The Bible's called us out. We're citizens of heaven. The Bible says we're peculiar. We're strange. The way we live does not match up to the world. This doesn't mean that we all go live on some high mountaintop on our own and just focus on us. No. But there is a difference in how we live. And the Bible says if you're conformed to the world and acting like the world, how is the Lord supposed to use you in His will? So then it gets down to the last part here. Be transformed. Completely different. You change, and then you know what the will of God is. So to know God's will, this verse gives us a couple steps. Have you truly given your body over? It's no longer me, Lord, but you. I will let go of all my thoughts, desires, whatever, motives. It's you. Number two, am I conformed to the world or am I transformed from the world? I need to be different. I need to act different because I'm called to a different standard of the world. So, and then the Lord reveals his will. Well, as he reveals his will, what's the next step? Go to Proverbs, please. We've got a couple of verses in Proverbs here. Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3. We know a lot of these verses in Proverbs 3. Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Okay, so we've talked about the first point. I give my life over to the Lord. I am His. I, I give my body over. It's no longer me. I'm not conformed to the world. I'm different. The way I live, the way I act is different. So now what do I do? Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That sounds simple enough, doesn't it? I trust the Lord will lead me. What about that phrase, all your heart? I've come to the conclusion that a lot of us don't trust the Lord with all of our heart. We trust the Lord with a lot of our heart. Maybe the vast majority of our heart. But we still hold a little back. And we still use that little back to say, well, you know, this is what I like. This is what I want. This is what I feel is best for me. You trust the Lord with all your heart. Look at the second part of verse 5. Lean not on your own understanding. I see so many people make decisions. Based on their own understanding. This looks like a good deal. I'll purchase it. This looks like a good opportunity. I'll take it. This looks like a good job. I'll change. What are you basing that on? You're basing that on your own understanding. And the Bible just told you, do not lean on your own understanding. I am so completely biased in myself. 
And so if I see something that I think that benefits me, my flesh automatically wants it. Part of being a Christian is rejecting what I want and stopping and saying, Lord, what is it that you want for me? Look at verse 6. In all your ways, there's that word again, all your ways acknowledge him. Okay, simple question to ask you. This is not a setup question. Are you acknowledging God in all your ways? See, a lot of times we acknowledge God on Sunday morning, our time of devotion, maybe in the morning, maybe a Wednesday night, some service here. What about in all your ways? Do you you really feel like your life in all your ways is acknowledging God? See, when you do that, he directs your paths, verse 6. And the last one is just good advice. Do not be wise in your own eyes. See, I have a lot of wisdom, I think. Things that sound good to me, things that look good to me. And the Lord is constantly trying to tell me, James, it's not your wisdom, it's my wisdom. Now let's go back full circle. Just like with Abraham, God's not trying to hide his will from me. He's asking me in Proverbs 20, am I willing to put effort in? Am I willing to draw that water out of the deep well? Am I willing to use the tools he's given me? The word, worship, body, prayer? Am I willing to stop and say I have sin in my life that keeps me from knowing his will? I have the wrong motives, I have the lack of faith. Am I willing to give my body completely over to him and trust him completely? Am I willing to let go of my wisdom, my understanding, and acknowledge him with all my heart? See, when I do those things, he reveals to me what the plan is. Our last passage on this before we close up, go to Proverbs 1. Proverbs 1 kind of ties this all together now. Proverbs 1, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction. To perceive the words of understanding. To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. Listen to this. You want wisdom? Verse 2. To know wisdom. Verse 3. To receive wisdom. Proverbs was written to give you wisdom on what the Lord wants you to do. But here's the catch. You have to want wisdom. I still think some of us sit here and say, okay, this wisdom thing is good. But I'm doing okay on my own. See, we haven't reached the point where we think our wisdom is really not that good. You know, I've been on this earth for 60, 70 years. I've done okay with myself. Decisions have gotten me where I need to be. Based on what? Based on you. Based on your wisdom. Based on your... Well, you can, you can take my life and the decisions I've made and compare it to anybody. We're not comparing to the world. We're comparing to the holy standard of God. See, when we compare ourselves to others... I can make myself look pretty good. I'm a better pastor than him. I'm a better father than him. I'm a better uh, husband than him. Okay, maybe not that guy, but you know what? I'm better than a good chunk of them, so I'm doing okay. What about the holy standard of God? So your wisdom may have done pretty good according to this world, but what about God's wisdom that has something even better for you? And trusting that. So, if you want wisdom, verse 2, to know wisdom and then to receive wisdom. To know wisdom means exactly what it says. It means you learn wisdom. Verse 3, though, changes it. Now we're supposed to receive wisdom. That means we're supposed to take the wisdom we have learned and now apply it. See, right now, if you're paying attention, you're learning wisdom. I can't make you apply it. I can't make you take verse 3 and receive wisdom. You're learning it. You're knowing it. You're listening But now you need to apply it. And as you apply it, that's where you see the things change in your life. That's when you say, oh, this is how I'm supposed to live in my marriage. God's system works. Oh, this is how I'm supposed to raise my kids. God's systems work. This is how I'm supposed to live. God's systems work. You know the wisdom. Now you receive it. Are you receiving it? You can learn a lot. 
But until you receive it and do it, what good does it do? My boys recently have gotten into fishing. They love fishing. So we go down to the creek and we go fishing. And every time we go down to the creek, so there's four of them all lined up there fishing. And it's just a matter of time before someone gets hooked. I mean, it's just a matter of time. They want to cast. I don't let them cast. I don't let them. I, I, I put so much line out with the hook, and I say, you just got to sit there. Can't we cast? No. I've shown them how to cast, and I've done casting in front of them. So verse 2, they know wisdom on casting. Verse 3, have they received it? Have they taken it and applied it? No, because I don't want to get hooked. So I said, no. You can know something and not apply it. I mean, we all know what to do. I don't think anybody sitting here today is if I would stop and say, hey, guess what? Lying is wrong. I don't think any of you would say, I never knew that. I think you know it. Are you applying it? Guess what? Cursing is wrong. I never knew that. You knew that. Do you apply? See, to know wisdom, to receive wisdom, to apply it. What happens next? Verse 4. To give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discernment. Verse 5. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. A wise man listens. Listens. I don't know how many times people have contacted me over the years to say, Pastor, can I get together and talk to you about something? I need your advice on something. Sure. We sit down. This is what the Bible has to say. This is what the Lord has to say. About five minutes into the conversation, I realized they do not want my advice on any way whatsoever. They just want to listen to themselves talk about their problem. And so as they lay down a situation and they're like, here is the problem. Stop. Here's the verse that helps fix that problem. So let's fix it. Nope, they're just going to move on to something else. A wise man listens. A wise man increases learning. A wise man obtains counsel. That word for attain there in verse 5, it's different than know. It's different than receive in verse 3. Attain means to put effort into it. So put this together. Verse 2, I learn it. Verse 3, I take it and attempt to put in practice. Verse 5 is effort that makes it happen. You can know what God wants you to do and do absolutely nothing about it. You can know what God wants you to do and make a half-hearted attempt. Or you can know what God wants you to do and put the effort into it, and that's when you see the blessings of God come. Know it, receive it, attain it. Sums it up nicely in verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and destruction. You have to stop and say, what am I? Do I fear the Lord? That word for fear means healthy respect. Do I respect the Lord that He does know what's best for me? He knows what's best So since I trust Him, I'm willing to let go of all my wisdom, all my opinions, all my desires, what I think is best, and trust Him. Or am I a fool? Verse 7. Despising wisdom and instruction. We've got to decide. We've got to decide. Marvin, come forward here for the final song. Think about this. Just to repeat, He's not trying to hide His will from you. He's not. He wants to reveal that to you. He wants to show you. Are you willing to go to the deep well and put the effort in to get it out? Proverbs 20. Are you willing to use the tools of God's word, worship, body, and prayer? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to stop and say, are my motives pure? Is my faith there? Is my sin pure?